Hello, listeners. Today, I am joined by Miss Helen Hofer from Truckers Against Trafficking. So thank you so much for coming on. Um, yeah, so glad to be here. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Before we get into the interview, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got involved with working with trafficking. Yeah, so um, I am the Freedom Drivers Project Director for Truckers Against Trafficking. So that means that um, I manage a show trailer, so a semi-truck that has been turned into a mobile exhibit that tells the stories of survivors of sex trafficking, as well as what members of the trucking, bus, and energy industry can do to combat it. And so kind of coming close in and getting a little bit bigger, Truckers Against Trafficking, we exist to educate, equip, empower, and mobilize members of the trucking, bus, and energy industry to combat human trafficking as part of their everyday jobs. And so that's actually the how I got into anti-trafficking work, uh, or rather specifically how I got into working with Truckers Against Trafficking is that I, I was working at another anti-trafficking nonprofit and recognized that we are all a piece of the puzzle when it comes to stopping trafficking. That each organization, I think we do best when we have a specialty and when we are, whether that's regionally focused or whether that's part of the issue because it is such a complex issue, that we all have really important skills um, and resources to share. And so when we spend our time and energy doing the best of the best within that, and then partner with other organizations doing the same thing in their region, in their sector, then we're really making tangible progress. And so I love that perspective with Truckers Against Trafficking in that we get to partner with private industry. I mean, I, I personally do see that in the in the social work that we're doing in terms of stopping trafficking or fighting homelessness or uh, providing food for those that need it. I think there's so much that private, the private sector can do and is doing uh, to really sustainably address these issues. And so we get to partner with members of the transportation industry, train them how to recognize and report human trafficking. And then every day as they're just doing their job, they get to keep their eyes open and report it to the National Human Trafficking Hotline number here in the US or Canada to report it. And that's leading to the identification of victims and their opportunity to step out and, and see if they if they are ready to leave that life behind. Yeah, and I think it's you know, that's such a good point that whatever you start, especially when it comes to trafficking, if you have some sort of specialty, like your organization's truckers, then you know, it kind of appeals to a new demographic and may mm -hmm. interest other people to learn more about it. And then you can easily expand with every industry. And when it comes to the private sector, the public sector is so underfunded and a lot of them just don't have the resources. But the private sector, if it's a simple thing as like, if you see this, then there may be trafficking going on. They just keep their eyes open, ears open. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there we go. We just saved someone from trafficking. So I think that's super true. Yeah. Um, so aside from truckers, what is a unique aspect of Freedom Riders? Yeah, so the fact that we partner with private industry and that we are like, it's always industry positive, that we are partnering with them, that yeah. nobody wants trafficking to happen, like <laughs> truck stops, rest areas, trucking companies, bus terminals, like oil companies, none of these people want trafficking to happen. Right. And so how can we equip them to accomplish that? Not that we are uh, antagonizing or demonizing anyone in the industry, but acknowledging that there has been a shortcoming, that this is happening. And there's a reason for that. We are acknowledging that while saying we can also take responsibility and take action against it. 
and recognize that those are the everyday heroes, the people who are in line in their truck waiting to fuel up and, you know, notice a couple people going in and out of an RV in a parking lot and recognizing, well, there are a couple different people going in and out of the RV. Like, why is that? That's possible. Like RVs definitely stop in truck stops and rest areas. And what if it's a couple of different people and the curtains are drawn in the middle of the day. That's just not typical. Usually they're not even there. And so you start seeing something suspicious, which they're more likely to see because this is the general route I take, or I'm in truck stops pretty frequently. Like I wouldn't have necessarily thought it strange to see an RV because I just, that's not the world that I've been existing in. But when you have drivers who've been driving for 15, 20, 30, 40 years, they have a really good sense of, of what you should be seeing and what is out of the ordinary and when we give them those specific behaviors to look for and then to report to the national hotline number or to 911, then we're seeing victims identified and traffickers and buyers arrested. And so really focusing on those intersections. Yeah. Uh, so focus, focusing on the intersections of where do we see trafficking happening and how can we engage the people who are already going to be there to recognize and report it? Because certainly, right, law enforcement is looking for it or different community organizations are doing outreach. But if we're going to like talk about low lift, if you're already going to be there, <laughs> then why not be on the lookout for it? Especially because these industries are trained to be observant because they have all of these safety protocols, right? They have to be observant as a part of their job. And so training them to then use that lens to say, oh, I'm going to be safe in all of these ways, including keeping an eye out for trafficking and just simply reporting it if I see something. Yeah, this type of active engagement and advocacy just makes it intuitive because mm -hmm. sure, we do have other organizations and specific industries just looking for trafficking, but for the daily person, everyone should be aware, especially for truckers. Like how many times have you been on a highway and you see just so many trucks delivering? So mm -hmm. it's more intuitive for them because they know exactly what to look out for. And it's so simple. You see something, you say something. It's as simple as that. So I mm -hmm. completely agree. Like it just has to be more intuitive for people. Yeah. So, um, can you describe a little bit about how many truckers became involved in combating trafficking? Like how yeah. was that involvement process? How they get involved? Yeah. How they get involved. So basically um, all of our training materials are free. Uh, we have them on our website and to become an official like trucker against trafficking, um, then you watch our training video and you get our wallet card or our app. So we have a wallet card that has the National Human Trafficking Hotline number on the front. On the inside, it talks about the definition of human trafficking, what to report to law enforcement. So the detailed information like license plate numbers, DOT numbers, address, time, date, descriptions of people, right? Be thinking of all of this information that so often I don't know if you ever did this, but when I was in school, we like had a police officer come to school once and talk about what it's like to be a police officer or something. And then he had all of us, he had planned for someone else in the school to run in, grab a notebook and leave, and then have everyone say, describe that person. And I was astounded how little we had observed, right? Yeah. In the moment of like shock, I like shut down the like remembering part of, and how little we are observing. So we want to point out, be on the lookout for these specific things because so often we miss that in the midst of trying to report something. And then we talk through some of those questions to help identify, are you witnessing potential trafficking? That's the great thing about the hotline as well, right? Is that it's just potential. You don't have to know if it's trafficking to report it. That's why the hotline exists. 
Um, and so we go through all of that. We talk about that in our training video. We have all those little reminders in the app, which is the truckers against trafficking is our app uh, or busing on the lookout for those in the bus industry. And then we have wallet cards as reminders with that information because you can watch a training video at the beginning of the year, but six months later, what do you remember? So that's why we have those touch points. And that's how individual drivers get involved. Companies can reach out to us. Um, info, oh gosh, <laughs> suddenly blanked on my email. Info, no, I have to write it down. I'm such a tangible person. Tat.truckers at gmail.com. <laughs> um, and request materials, talk about the number of drivers you have, talk about how you're going to use the training video. Like, is it a part of your onboarding process? And when you have new hires, what's included in their training and including this video? And so you're catching everybody before they go out on the road and represent your company. Because we are talking about this kind of as like a risk management thing for companies. It is, if someone is um, arrested on charges of, or rather persecuted, prosecuted on charges of human trafficking, while using a commercial driver's license, they're banned from ever using a CDL again. So like that affects the companies as well from doing this. And so training on the companies on that end, giving them all the material so they can include it on driver onboarding and in their regular safety meetings, and then reporting back to Truckers Against Trafficking, how many people you've trained and what method you're using. And then we register companies as officially trained. So Ultimately, for each driver, it can be 13 to 26 minutes to go through the training and be officially certified. That's amazing. So mm -hmm. like how many traffickers do you, uh, not traffickers, truckers no. against traffickers, um, do you currently have? Like how many members? Yes, you know, I am actually going to pull that up. I should have pulled that up ahead of time. But we have, I know it's over a million now, which is really? awesome. Oh, um, okay. And I love how it's so easy. Like you're right, 13 to 26 minutes, like we spend yeah. more time on our phones. So why not do something productive with it? Exactly. And that whole corporate aspect is so important. You know, you go to work and let's say you have a mandatory seminar, at least you get something out of it. So you're gonna be on the lookout. So just this chain reaction of awareness. Yeah. The multiplication. Yeah, so it's over a million, over a million, um, 14,000 drivers. Exactly. Are, and those are just those who are officially registered. I have people all the time who are like, I don't want to register. Um, maybe not, I don't want to register or just like didn't know to register because they had a friend of a friend of a friend tell them. Yeah. So I bet there are so many more people who know about it, which is pretty exciting. Um, but at least a million and officially, I think the count is there are 3 million CDL holders in the US. Now that can be someone who works for a school and had to get their CDL to drive like the school bus around that kind of thing or it could be someone who has a truck at a hardware store but that's 3d million people and we've reached 1 million which is awesome yeah. and we hope to reach that many more that, yeah, exactly you just wanted that whole multiplying effect is so amazing and it's just such an easy process a lot of people just don't get into advocacy because they have that preconceived notion of just so much work but it's just so simple so why not um, so can you uh, describe how the pandemic has impacted your operations and advocacy? Because you guys basically, you know, drive out and it's like yeah. a person to person. It's really interesting because on one hand for us, uh, our, like I, my first trip I've gone on since last March was like three weeks ago. So I haven't been out face to face with people in a long time, but the truck drivers never stopped. Uh, delivering products across the nation is essential, right? I mean, it's literally essential. <laughs> delivering masks, masks and vaccines and hospital supplies and 
all of those things that not to mention food and clothing and, you know, all of the other things that we do and use to survive, we still needed that. And so not to mention it actually increased because of online ordering. So in a lot of sectors, they needed more drivers and more truckers out on the road in order to, to, to upkeep with that, that delivery. So on one hand that continued. So we needed to, we wanted to, needed to keep that training going. And then on the other hand for us, it meant we were doing a lot of webinars, a lot of Zoom, a lot of like phone calls. And we created a virtual tour of the Freedom Drivers Project to help people continue to do events, continue to engage, continue to acknowledge that despite the pandemic and despite the need to focus on health and safety protocols, uh, especially for those who continued to need to interact with others as a part of their job, always keep an eye out and report it, that this is still something that's happening early on in the pandemic. And I'll be interested to kind of see as reports continue to come out, but we heard from the national hotline that they, were, they weren't seeing a change in the number of calls and reports of incidents that was remaining the same. And they initially attributed that as far as we know to the fact that people, most of the people who buy were regular buyers and they weren't gonna stop regularly purchasing, or at least they were seeing some steady number because that was kind of what they were noticing from their information. So I'll be interested to see as the studies continue to happen, um, looking back on 2020 and the earlier this year, see how that affected trafficking in general. But in terms of our work, we did a lot of virtual meetings and we'll continue to do that. I mean, actually, because so many of the companies we work with have more than one location. So it works out really nicely to do an online training. Um, but I am excited to go back out there and do state fairs and trucking shows and conferences and competitions and continue to engage face-to-face -face with the drivers. Cause that's really the piece we missed in the last year is that I was connecting with a lot of these people who sit at desks but not at the people who are actually out on the road. And so I'm really excited to get face-to-face -face and as we have more capacity to, to continue to pursue this. Yeah, and I think that, you know, the pandemic really propelled us into this virtual age where it's so much easier now. So we can advocate because everyone's at home, everyone's on a device. And I think that, you know, the work you guys are doing is amazing. And I hope it becomes like more hands-on because I know that so many people would be interested. It's just unorthodox, quote unquote, because like truckers and trafficking, like it's so weird, but that intersection just makes sense. It's so intuitive. Yeah. So um, what is the most common recruitment method you guys teach about when it comes to trafficking and how they lure their victims? So definitely building a relationship with the individual. Um, and so in terms of the cases we share and talk about, it was the, the victim being in a, in a situation, um, we talk about these push factors sometimes. So what, what happened in their life? Like what are circumstances potentially out of their, more than likely out of their control that make them vulnerable? So whether that was um, fam families who had experienced divorce, uh, experienced abuse in the home, uh, experienced like being moved from family member to family member, whether that was specifically through the foster care system or more um, casually just family members passing around, so to speak, the kid from one place to the next, or um, one of the survivor leaders that we work with was trafficked out of her own home. So she was, there was divorce in the family and she was isolated with uh, her mother and who ended up trafficking her. And so, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, it's not crazy because I hate to like diminish what happened in that way, but it is yeah. like, 
it's awful and it's terrible. And so on one hand, you have these circumstances that make someone vulnerable, make someone in need of something, right? So whether that's in homelessness, very tangibly talking about like, I don't have food, clothing, shelter. Also as a teen, you're more than likely running from something, right? Like yeah. you experienced yeah. abuse already, you experienced rejection already, like LG, the LGBTQ plus community experiencing ostracism like being ostracized by potentially family and friends if you came out. And so all of those factors making someone vulnerable and isolated. So that's one part of the equation. So then you have this person, how critical that is to build a relationship. Yeah. So often I talk about victims not having belonging. Like you don't have someone who's paying attention and saying, wait, why, why do you have all these nice new clothes and you're always, you're getting off at a different bus stop? Yeah. Or you're being picked up by different guys at the bus stop, or um, you don't actually have a lot of friends at school, or you don't really talk to someone. Any one of those isn't necessarily uh, inherently trafficking, right? But you start putting some of those pieces together, and you're seeing this person who's trying to build a relationship, make that connection where you have felt maybe you didn't have one in the past, saying, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to love you. And how much better is it to believe that you are being loved and cared for or seen and that you are being included than to not. And so even though you might start seeing some of these red flags of like, oh, I'm not allowed to contact the people I want to contact whenever I want to, or I don't actually go out whenever I want to, like I'm not buying the things I want. It's being very controlled or I don't have hold of my money or my ID, like it could be any of those things. So even when those red flags happen, you might cast them aside because you so much want to believe that this, you weren't conned into something. You don't want to be seen as the stupid person who made this choice. How much easier is it to say, I, cho I choose to be here and this is a good thing to do. This is the best thing to do. And I feel like that, I read a book once that I felt like really laid that out of like, what brings you to the place where the next natural choice is to say yes to the trafficker or the buyer? Like, all of these other things have happened to say, this is the best choice. Like when really there was no choice, yeah. there was no other option in front of you at that time. And so they're building this relationship, whether that's romantic. So Romeo pimp saying, I'm your boyfriend. I love you. I'm going to take care of you. Just do these things for us right now. Like earn us some money. We get to live this lifestyle we want to live. And then it'll be just the two of us or, um, I'm going to take care of you. You're, you're going to be this big star. Like so often it is painting that dream that will never happen, but you so much want to believe that it will. I feel like society is a little bit potentially more familiar with some, like with domestic violence in the sense of there's a really high recidivism rate. It takes about seven times before someone will leave their abuser for the last time. Right. Yeah. And it is, and that there's a lot of self-blame, that it was my fault. Um, and so that you'll, you'll see that as well in sex trafficking and saying, oh, I'm going to go back because he loves me because we have this thing that we're doing and we, this relationship. And, and depending on how long you've been in the life, just feels like you don't belong outside of it. Like, how do you have a, a conversation with someone about going to see a movie or going to school or like working a, a a job from a computer, if that's like something you've not had an experience with. And so forming connections with, with other people then becomes more difficult. Um, and I realized that might've been more information than <laughs> what you were asking, but 
I could just keep going. <laughs> <laughs> no, because no, but everything you said is just right because these abusers, they can just look at someone who's clearly vulnerable, figure out what they want and just mm -hmm. be that person. Mm -hmm. And I think that everyone should keep an eye on because maybe they're not going to be trafficked, but they're definitely being groomed for something else. Like it doesn't always have to, you, we all have that preconceived notion of trafficking. They're going to be stuck mm -hmm. in the back of a bus and they're going to be shipped off, but then there can also be just some grooming for other reasons. So both ways, if you see something very suspicious, go with your gut and just report it. And when it comes to luring your victims, the mental and psychological aspect is just incredible. I mean, they gaslight their victims and they make them question everything. And a lot of victims, I've read the case studies where they somehow escape, but then they can't get a job or some other failure happens and they decide I'm not worth this life. I deserve the life that I had. And they just go back. And it's so important to just reinforce that sense of self within them. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's what I love about also working in private industry is because then we're talking about like, you say you can't get a job. How will we, where are we creating more opportunities and programs uh, or supports for people to get a job? Like yeah. trucking is such a fantastic job. I know survivors who are uh, drivers, who are professional drivers, you know, in charge of your own schedule, you get to be out on your own potentially. Like it has some appeal in that way. Um, and so more working in private industry, partnering, asking your own companies and your own neighbors, like, Hey, do you have any positions that you could take on some other people and train them up? Like have this program to train them in this job, see if they would even want it. Right. Yeah. If you ever knew that was an option, would you like, again, like I said, sometimes you you have a quote unquote choice to enter trafficking because you've you don't recognize that there was another option. Yeah. And so how powerful is it for companies to then give them an option to say, here's another job, here's another opportunity, even just know it exists to say no to it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's it powerful. makes you feel important. And I always say that a lot of victims when they get out of the life and they're just having such a hard time readjusting, mm -hmm. uh, it's so important for them to carve out a little piece of the world for themselves whether it be, you know, like I bought my first car or I got a job, like just something just to reinforce yeah. that worth more than you think. Yeah. So with everything discussed, what is a long-term goal that Truckers Against Trafficking has? Like, is there like a project in the works you guys are working towards? Yeah. So, I mean, we are always wanting to celebrate the professional drivers who have made a difference in the life of a victim. And so we are working so that every year um, we can have a Harriet Tubman Award winner. And so that is an award that goes out to a professional driver or someone in the industry who has made a direct impact in the life of a victim or survivor. And so we want that to be such a regular thing, such a known thing, such a sought after thing um, so that people are because people are making so many calls, because people are knowing what to look for, looking for and reporting it as soon as they see it. Yeah. All too often we hear reports from people who are like, oh, I saw this really weird thing two months ago. Do you think this was trafficking? It's like, no, you have to report it in that moment. Cause yeah. in, as you're describing it, I'm saying it could be. And so it's important to report those things. And so we have this award and we we want to be able to give it out and celebrate a driver every year who's made an impact in the life of a survivor. And so that's 
that's kind of our overarching, like our, our big dream is to have every driver trained to have all companies institute this as a part of their regular practice. We talk a lot about um, systems change at Truckers Against Trafficking. So we're talking about literally like having policies and institutions incorporate this kind of everyday, a part of my job, a part of the way we operate um, prevents trafficking. Like the systems we have in place, the protocols, the attitudes prevent trafficking. And so our work is to do that within the transportation sector. Yeah. That when you get your CDL, when you join a company, it is well known that you will not use company time or property to purchase another human being, but you will acknowledge time and property to recognize and report it yeah. and stop someone from being sold. And so we talk about drivers being disruptors of that system. And we want to continue to perpetuate that in more and more systems. We have, we have companies, right, over a million drivers, and many of them are a part of large and small companies who now every one to three years will see training, every new driver who comes in will see training, and we want to continue to see those systems built upon so that we close those loopholes to traffickers and they have no avenue to find someone, they have no avenue to exploit another person. A hundred percent. And, you know, thank you so much for the work you're doing and just coming on and speaking about it. I really hope someone gets involved and learns yeah. something new. So all the social media links for Truckers Against Trafficking will be on my website. Once again, thank you so much for coming on. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure speaking with you. <laughs>